Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking Podcast with hosts myself, Samuel Sage and Harry E joining me. And you might be thinking, hang on a minute, that isn't, it isn't Ben Hocking. And you'd be right, I'm not Ben Hocking. Ben Hocking is trying to have his birthday, but he's rather unwell. He's got a lot going on. Uh, he sends his best regards. We've got some notes from Benjamin to include, but he's bloody left the podcasting our hands. The the silly fool. I can't believe it, Harry. Can't believe it. <laughs> We've already got the soundboard out. He's left us in control of the uh, the tools, and it's going to be an absolute nightmare. So I hope you enjoy this absolute mess after a mess of a Grand Prix, which is going to be absolutely ecstatic. Harry, how are you doing? Did you enjoy what you just saw? I. Well, I said just before we start recording, it's um, also Ben, I think, has already got his head in his hands listening to this. But um, yeah, before we start recording, I said it felt like I was watching some sort of dream race because uh, even after the race had finished, Sebastian Vettel P2 went to a portaloo and then Esteban Ocon forgot where the pits was and then ran down the pit lane. And we're just watching this like it's a normal Grand Prix. Oh, and Lewis Hamilton couldn't stand up. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was just bizarre. So bizarre. Such a weird race. I I don't even I don't even the start feels about 5 days ago now. Bowling ball. You're right. The bowling, bowling ball, ball, ball Bottas and stroll. Yeah, it takes a strike stroll. Uh, <laughs> I believe they're going to be going as now. Who would have thought that at Hungary we'd be making such a meal 
of uh, the race. And I hope that you ate it all up, folks. There we go. It's good to get them in there at the start already. Um, right, so let's actually talk about things that are racing. Here's a few things that we're going to cover throughout the podcast. Later on in the podcast, we're going to be talking about the implications that this might have for the Drivers' and Constructors' Championship now that Lewis Hamilton leads Max Verstappen and Mercedes lead Red Bull for the first time in a good few races. We're also going to be talking about the fact that Williams bloody score points with both drivers and Latifi has outscored Russell. Just like when Kubica outscored Russell back in, I think, Germany 2019. It's happened again, but at least time he has got points on the ball for Williams for the first time. We'll dive into that as well. Also, did the race restart title cost Hamilton the victory or was there always a chance for Rockon and Vettel to be those top two? But we are just going to dissect one, the start of the race and the race itself. Harry... What on earth do you make of that Valtteri Bottas and Lance Stroll cacophony of bizarreness at the start there? That was just bizarre. Oh, what was going on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I said to you and, and Ben, who, you know, that's just, it's his birthday. He's not well enough to be here, but still watch the race. Like, what a slacker. Um, yeah, come on. Yeah, come on, Ben. Uh, yeah, I said to you both in our chat that that I th- it was like I was like when's the F1 starting then because this is clearly not F1 it was like an F2 in fact I wouldn't even give it F2 reputation I think it's lower down than that it was some real I'll, I'll tell you what it is it was like an F1 online lobby without any <laughs> yes. assists for the first time folks if yeah. you've ever played the F1 game online that is what it looks like usually at the start of a race yeah it was exactly like that and and I appreciate that um they they didn't get to drive around in intermediates but they had the formation lap you know and they're, they're paying, paying a lot of money to do this. So, um, yeah, Stroll, Stroll and Bottas were just pretty, pretty amateurish stuff. And, you know, Bottas, he'd backed out of it because he got squeezed. So at that point, I, you back out of it entirely. If you look at, like, Ocon start, he got squeezed by Leclerc. So he backs out of it and gets one of it because he knows that, you know, there's a, there's a corner coming up here, guys. Um, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what Bottas was doing then because you can already see, like... Uh, Norris in front of him, one of the rebels, probably Perez, I think, on the left, who are decelerating because their their other lights are flashing for the for the harvesting, um, and and Bottas like nah, don't need to break yet, don't need to break yet. Oh no, I need to break. Um, yeah, and he and he wipes out a good chunk of the f- top five, um, and then Stroll again, not sure what where he thought he was going to break either. Um, he made a great start as well. It was all the ones that made. I don't know because Bottas' start was terrible, but um, yeah, I, I, I Stroll, I feel less not confused about, but his I feel like he made an attempt to try and get out of the way, and it, it almost made it worse. But um, he, yeah, uh, he, yeah. <laughs> he really tried. Yeah, I mean. We, we put up a little poll over on our Twitter page, at El Breaking, if you're not following us, and uh, we asked who would be better at bowling, uh, Stroll or Bottas, and there was over 100 of you that got involved, with 83% of the vote, Bottas is the king of bowling. He did hit the ultimate strike, and he managed to, as a crew team player that Valtteri Bottas is, take out the entire competitive field for Lewis Hamilton, who somehow still didn't manage to go on and win the race, despite <laughs> every single close competitor possible not being involved in the entire Grand Prix. I agree with you entirely, though. It feels like Bottas, you know, it's not like he's never started a wet race before. It's not like he's ever gone ahead on intermediates before. Everyone else, regardless of where they were up and down the field, other than Stroll, managed to hit their breaking points correctly. You know, everyone got round the corners. And I don't think I've seen such carnage from one shunk for quite some time on the first corner. It, it echoed back to, you know, turn three at Austria, where... Um, 
I've forgotten the name now. I think it was Sato or some completely missed her. Three wiped out a couple of the cars or the Nurburgring where every car went down off into the runoff trap. Into the it, it, was, it wasn't one. Snark Spa 98, was it? <laughs> it, was was a, it was a bit Spa 98-esque. And, uh, you know, Jordan went on to win that race and we've we've had an Alpine go on to win this one. Lark Stroll, I, it wasn't, wasn't brilliant. It wasn't great. It wasn't but at ideal. least you can see the... No, it's not ideal what he's done there. But in a strange way... He won, paved the way for his team to get a podium position, which is, you know, he's, he's assisted there, which I can appreciate the effort. And so at least he was trying to take, you know, adverse action to not have a collision. The whole point was he was trying to stop hitting people. He's going, I'm not slowing down. It's not going to happen. Ruled that one out. Check. Not happening. <laughs> What's the next thing I can do? I'm just going to cut the corner and hope it works. But then he did like a weird bouncy middle ground where he just went, that car's red over there. I've hit it. I'm out of the race. And it, you know, it's not gone well. It's not gone too well. But it, we're not going to talk about the uh, rest of the race just yet. The stewards then made a decision on Bottas and Stroll's action. And they have both been given a penalty after this was made. Of course, they didn't carry on in the race. Both DNF'd. And they were both given a penalty that had to be taken in Spa. They both received a five-place grid penalty. Now, Harry, we've seen some strange penalties up and down the seasons before. We've seen stewards making bizarre decisions based on previous acts, not looking at previous acts. Do you think that this is a fair penalty? Do you think they've looked at the consequences of the crash and used that as part of their reasoning? Or is it because they couldn't carry on that this is the only way that they could get a penalty that seems fair going forward? Uh, I mean, yeah, the the grid penalty itself, I think that's a sensible decision because uh, they were both out already, and but, but they still cause some carnage. Um, the actual, the amount of places, I think is... F- fairly lenient i think i know you shouldn't it's difficult to base it uh, by by each incident but you know you look at the the consequences and i'm not just talking championship consequences here but the consequences of what bottas and or stroll uh did with with their with their late breaking antics um they you know bottas That's wiped funny. out yes <laughs> bottas wiped out uh, how many was it? Perez, Norris, Verstappen. Um, so that's, was there any more? Was there, was Aye, there might have been more. The carnage was constant. It <laughs> just just kept happening. <laughs> um, and yeah, and and Stroll got he got Leclerc and and in turn uh, Daniel Ricciardo, who was having a lovely little start there. I've got to say, and that ruined the rest of his afternoon. Who knows where he could have been by the end of that race? But. Um, yeah, so it's. I think they mentioned it in the Sky broadcast. Schumacher on Bruno Senna in Spain, he wiped him at one person out. They took him both out of the race. That was a five place grid pen. Is this the same? Should this be the same? Because they've 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 taken out a lot of cars here. Five cars in total. They've they've wiped out yeah. between them, and uh, uh, not including their own. So, um, yeah, I think I think the penalty itself is is pretty. And Rosberg said it as well in commentary. Seemed quite. Yeah, quite a, a, a lenient one because of the amount of carnage they they uh, they cause, and I'm guessing their their judging their judgment on that is because it was lap one, and they you know they take a slightly calmer view on lap one incidents, but not when not when they wipe out three or four cars. It's it's just it seems a bit bit uh, bit unfair on on the ones who did get wiped out, and, and again, not saying from a chat, not just Red Bull. I just think. Any of them. I mean, Norris, he's had a terrific season. He had another blinding start, was looking at P3, and then 
it gets completely wiped out. So and Leclerc. Um, so yeah, I think it's a bit, bit lenient. Um, I agree with the actual the way the penalty's been dished out and fair play that they well, they didn't really have much to do during the race apart from the unsafe releases. So the stewards uh, they got it done before they wanted to go home probably got a flight to catch. So uh, got, there's a lot of traffic out of that. that yeah, race yeah, yeah, so yeah. So um, get off early. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, <laughs> agree with what they uh, the penalty they given, but not the amount of places. Things should be more. Yeah, it was a tricky one, and we've seen several instances that I think are comparable. Uh, there are slight differences, but, you know, the penalties do seem to vary. I'm glad you brought up that Schumacher incident because if you're going to look at just the action itself of uh, missing a braking zone or mistiming a corner, which then results in contact and the DNF of a, another driver, and we're not going to talk about how badly that was, the championship consequences, theoretically, they've applied exactly the same penalty and there is precedent for this. And, you know, if you have any legal experience, you'll know that if there is something that mirrors a very similar case in the past, you tend to have to take that evidence from that previous case and apply it to the modern case. So uh, convictions are consistent. Now, of course, this isn't the same as a legal hearing. It's, it's motor racing. It's, it's good fun. Lots of fast cars around a track. But it's good to see they've applied consistent reasoning. What is interesting, how I'm interested in your point of view here, is that if we go back to Silverstone, just, you know, uh, uh, last race there, on the first lap, Hamilton technically misjudges a corner uh, and takes out a, a driver, regardless of who it is, on the first lap, and that driver's race is over. Theoretically, exactly the same as to what Bottas has done with Norris. Of course, Norris then went on to hit Perez and Verstappen, no fault of his own there, but that's just the aftermath. Theoretically... It's pretty much the same in my point of view. Uh, there are slight differences. But why does Hamilton get a a 10-second stop-go penalty, which he can serve at his, his pit stop, which then he can still go and win the race, but Bottas uh, gets a five-second uh, grid penalty? Is it because Hamilton was simply in the race? Is that the only difference? And would Stroll and Bottas have got that 10-second? Uh, or do you think that actually Hamilton should have got a five-place grid penalty for the Hungara ring? Now we've actually seen that settled in as a precedent. That, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, it's a very interesting point, isn't it? Because if Stroll and Bottas both survived that incident, were they given the same penalty as Hamilton? I would hedge a bet that they would get a harsher one. I think they'd be slapped. So Hamilton got a 10-second added to his time, didn't he? So not a stop-go. So I think yeah. they would have got given an actual stop-go where they had to come in again and it's not added to your pit stop. You've got to stop for another 10 seconds because of the carnage they caused. So, yeah. Very interesting one. I mean, if Hamilton, it could be the other way around. If Hamilton also got wiped out in that Silverstone incident and didn't couldn't carry on, um, maybe they would have slapped the same penalty on him. I don't know. And then again, you say, well, is that fair? Because he only took out one when Bottas and Stroll took out many. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, people, let us know what you think on that one. Yeah, it's it's very hard to separate looking at an incident, and I know Ben would be raging about this, he's probably replying to us now as he listens to this <laughs> over on his, his radio, whatever Ben tunes into, like it's back in the 17th century. <laughs> Tuning his um, radio for a podcast. <laughs> I'll find it, we're on the, we're on the airwaves. Um, you know, I can imagine he'll be going, no, because you're meant to take penalties only into account of the action taken and not for the carnage afterwards, but maybe there is an argument to be made where you should look at what happens in the collision or who it impacts or, but then does that make drivers seem more important than others just because maybe they're leading a championship? You know, very interesting to hear your point of view on this. If you do want to have more conversation with us, you do want to get further involved, you just don't want to talk at your mobile devices or at your car radios or like a weirdo on your own, then we have a Discord. And there are quite a lot of people in that Discord now. There's a good 60-odd, I believe, which is crazy. Um, 
get involved. It's the link in the description. You are more than welcome to join. And we'll always be asking you questions in there, getting your points of view in there. Please get involved in there. Matt, it, it, it's huge. It's great. It's great fun to have you chat in there. We have a good laugh as well. So if you want to have a chat more about F1, you want to meet like-minded people that love F1. And they call themselves the late breakers, which is hilarious to me that someone's decided to we, dub that. We didn't encourage that, by the way. That was all on them. Nope. So you could become a late breaker. Um, <laughs> please join the link. Give it a go. You can always leave again if you don't like us and or them. Um, it'd be great to get your points of view on things. So let's move away from the start there. Um, it'd be interesting to see if anything happens like that later on in the season and what the ruling is given there. And let's talk about the fact that Lewis Hamilton started a race, technically a restart, entirely on his own. Which is, I think, the first time I've ever seen this happen. It was almost like they've gone... Hamilton show! It's all for you, Lewis! Off you go! Yay! And then he's absolutely screwed this one up, made the bad decision in terms of the strategy, and has that cost him a possible win? Harry, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, firstly, that was the most bizarre scene I've... Well, the most bizarre thing I've seen in about 30 minutes, because we'd only just had the crash at the start. (laughs) But that, I mean, that puts Indianapolis 05 to shame. Six cars. I see six cars. One, and I, yeah, I lower you to one. Um, and yeah, it was completely ridiculous what what uh, what was going on there. But fun fact, folks, uh, I I didn't miss it. But as they were coming around to the grid, someone rang me. My girlfriend. She's in trouble. Um, and I was oh, going to another. God's I was going to another room for something. And as I came back in, so they were coming around to the grid. I came back in, and there's just Lewis Hamilton on his own. And I was like, what? 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 <laughs> What is going on? Um, what is I, going on here? Yeah, I realised they're in the pit lane, but um, yeah, a, a bizarre call. Don't know why. And we said it before. I think Mercedes and they, they do get it right sometimes. You know, strategy calls. Spain this year when they did that two-stop undercut. Hungary a couple of years ago where they did the same thing again. They've made some great calls, and you don't win championships by being terrible at strategy all the time. But I do wonder if they'd had closer competition over the years, whether they would have lost a few more races. Because it was, even from us watching on that formation lap, it was clear it was absolutely bone dry. I mean, why they didn't, I know they, I can get why, because they're in the lead, but it's always about being on the right tyre at the right time. And if it's dry, you've got to be on a dry tyre. So yeah, it was tricky because he was the first one. But, I mean, their hearts must have sank when they saw literally every car pile into the pit lane apart from them. Um, and, yeah, I think it, it lost them the race, didn't it? I mean, there are other factors yeah. because Fernando Alonso was driving an Alpine bus for a few laps. Um, but <laughs> without that that mistake, that strategy call at the start, uh, the restart, I think Hamilton had easily had the pace to, to go on a win, even with Ocon and Vettel there. So, um yeah, odd call, and they're you know lucky in in a sense that that <laughs> the Bottas wiped out the Red Bulls, uh, but because you know if Verstappen had been in the race, you know in P two, they would have absolutely they'd have punished them so hard for that for that call. So um, yeah, I think Mercedes were lucky to get away with that one and still get a podium, but it uh, yeah undoubtedly still cost it cost them the win, um, a, a dominant win at least. Yeah, well, I mean. We, we've seen some mistakes from Mercedes this season already, which is really interesting. And it's not just Mercedes, it's Hamilton as well. And considering that Hamilton has paid the big money, as I like to call it, when you're the number one driver on the grid, he, he, he earns the most. So therefore, on his contract, it simply says Lewis Hamilton will earn the big money. Um, we saw mistakes already up and down the season. We've seen 
Hamilton make the mistake in Baku, for example, where realistically he could have gone to win that race had he not pressed the magic, as they like to call it, on the back of the steering wheel, which of course warms the brakes up for you. Um, ruined his own race. Ha- Verstappen, you know, cruelly taken out of that race through no fault of his own with the tyre issue. And Hamilton, golden opportunity. He got a better start than Perez. He was off. He was happy to go. And he absolutely ruined that one. So that's one mistake from either the driver or the team already this season. And then uh, the French Grand Prix, for example. That was, they, they had the pace to go and win that race. And Red Bull made a brilliant call to do a stop slightly earlier. They got the jump on the Mercedes. And that was game over from there. Max was able to take it all the way home. And now again, we see it here. This is silly. This is silly from both Hamilton and Mercedes um, to not come in, to not have a go, to not try a, a tyre st- uh, change and to get yourself on the slicks. Although I would be curious to have seen how it would have happened in terms of traffic in the pit lane and Hamilton having the first pit box. Obviously, yeah. they were so close behind him. Hamilton would have pulled into his pit box. He would have had those tyres on. And then due to the unsafe release issue, he would just have to sit there and wait for every single par- car to pile past him to go into their pit box. Does he get released just like Kimi Raikkonen decides to absolutely spearhead Nikita Mazepin in the pit lane? Brilliant drama, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, it did cost them the, the wing. But... Fair play to Hamilton. And then the Mercedes trashes afterwards for trying that two-stop. The first undercut worked brilliantly. Going out in front of Ricardo and Verstappen that was holding him up. And then, of course, somehow navigating Fernando, the London route master bus, Alonso, um, who put up a stellar defence, by the way. It was fantastic to watch Fernando give it his absolute all defending against a seven-time world champion. That's what we love about Fernando Alonso. It was great drama, and I'm glad we got to see it. But he did well. He got past, and then he got past Sainz very, very easily. Maybe that shows you the calibre difference of those two drivers. Who knows? Um, and he got on the podium. So it wasn't all a loss, was it? It wasn't all an absolute no. loss for him. I, I, you raised the point there. If he had come in, what would we have witnessed if there was no cars on the start line? It's like that. <laughs> and a, uh, we win. No, oh, wait well, a minute. And the safety car wins. Yeah, because who? Because obviously everyone had to wait for Hamilton to go past, and then the green light goes. Who do you wait for? What are you waiting for now? I don't understand who would... They'd have to... Anyway, that's probably never going to happen again. But um, imagine if that had happened. The only other thing I was going to say on the Hamilton uh, you know, Mercedes call, and we've seen this a lot of times, and again, you don't win champion, seven world championships uh, together uh, and be bad at, you know, at F1 things. But surely Hamilton could have called that one himself and said, I'm, I'm coming in because... We heard Russell saying, everyone's coming in. Everyone's literally going to come yeah. in. It's going to be slick. So, and, you know, during the race, and we know this about Hamilton. He's, he's not necessarily, there are other drivers that think about what's happening more. Carlos Sainz being one of them, running the Ferrari pit wall and driving. Um, but Hamilton doesn't do that. But sometimes I think it does cost him because, you know, someone else, and I'm not saying replace him, obviously, but someone else would have said, I need to come in. It's it's dry. I need to come in. So um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And obviously, it's the it's the complete trust he puts in the team. But sometimes that doesn't doesn't always work out. Yeah, I do wonder if there was a momentary um, fluster there because he's looked at himself and gone, "Hang on a minute, Perez is out, Bottas is out, Max Verstappen literally doesn't have a floor and is somehow <laughs> floating around on the racetrack. Um, I I can lead the championship here. I can take a massive." jump in the championship and I do wonder if that played on the mind a little bit too much and he thought I want to do nothing to risk losing this first place yeah. and then inadvertently threw away first place 
Um, which I get. We've all been there. We've all thought this is too good to be true. They're absolutely being something off in our lives. We've all um, been in first place at the Hungaroring at one stage or yeah. another. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it happens. You should go back to 1994, folks, where both me, Harry, and Ben were the first three on there. It's a fantastic <laughs> race. Check it out. Um, yeah. So, you know, Hamilton did well to come back. It was a fantastic race. Considering that Hungary is, you know, nicknamed Monaco without barriers. We've spoken about this. It does have barriers. The expression makes no sense. But the point of the expression is that you can't overtake. We saw some really great battles. Now, I want to shout out just a few people before we go into the likes of Drive of the Day. Um, the little fight, for example, between uh, Max Verstappen and Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher and that Haas car, which has struggled all season. The, the little lad knows how to get his elbows out, doesn't he? He's put up a fight. You know, Ricardo Verstappen, he's not afraid to go wheel-to-wheel with these race-winging level drivers that are in championship-level cars. He was happy to, you know, put everything on the line, which I love to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, the old Schumacher squeeze was out in full force today, wasn't it? Um I mean that's probably the first time Mix ever in F1. Obviously, he's had he's been able to race anyone and didn't embarrass him. <laughs> didn't embarrass himself uh, in the slightest. He didn't uh, wasn't overall. Obviously, they got past in the end because he's driving uh, a Haas that's about three years old. But um, yeah, he 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 fought. He didn't let it go. And with Verstappen, he squeezed him. And it, obviously, Verstappen still got past. And again with Ricardo, I think Ricardo had made the lunge. And I was like, oh, it's all over. And then Mick's like, nope, around the outside. I'm still I'm still here. Still here, guys. So, um, yeah, very impressive stuff. Great. It was a good run from him today. Obviously, he still didn't finish in the points, but uh, it wasn't far off in the end. Yeah, really, really encouraging stuff. I'm sure bigger teams will be looking at Mick there doing that kind of defence on a track with a car that they know is the worst car going. And um, he put up a fantastic, fantastic fight. So we move on. After looking at that quick race review, um, let's have a quick moment just to uh, Harry laugh at our predictions that we made in the uh, the race preview podcast. Um, my bold prediction was that the person who led out of turn one would lead every lap of the race and that the teams would finish in Noah's Ark order two by two up until 10th place. That went well. We'll just write that one off entirely. Hilarious. Harry, what was your bold prediction? Uh, <laughs> mine was oh, something no, about... Uh, uh, no, it was both Ferrari's going to be on the podium. I mean, we weren't far off one. Stroll took care of the other one in a swift fashion at the start. So, um, do you know? Do you know, I know where this is going? By the way, it's so good that he's not here. He might have got his right, but he's not going to be here to gloat about it. So, also, it's summer break now, so we're not going to talk about races when it comes to the next podcast. We're going to talk about F one general things. Um, he can't gloat. So, Ben, I'm going to just say. Oh, I don't remember what yours was. Never no, mind, we'll have to move on swiftly. Then. I mean, Sorry, if, ben. if you're talking about the reverse curse, he, he, it worked. It didn't work in calling because it, it literally happened what he predicted. Uh, Russell's out Q1, but it, it got him some points. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Williams points and what that maybe does for Russell's reputation and Latifi's reputation after we have a quick look at what our driver of the day, worst driver of the day and moment of the race is. Harry, let's start with you then. Driver of the day, who have you gone for? So many choices. Um, I will I will go for a look. Ocon drove incredibly well because the Aston Martin, I think, was faster than that Alpine during the race and, you know, Seb's had his difficulties, but he's still a four-time world champ. Uh, and he, he was just behind him. He was a second behind him the whole race. I mean, apart from that Relentless. One, just the whole time. Um, and Ocon was 
I mean, really even hear from Ocon, I don't think. He was pretty, pretty calm and collected, though, and obviously got the win. So he's a contender. But just for pure theatrical entertainment value, I'm going to give it to the man that was driving a bus uh, during that latter stage of the race, uh, Fernando Alonso, who, yeah, he that was... It was so good. I've been watching Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso. We've been waiting, as Ted Kravitz pointed out, we've been waiting 12 years for this, ever since they left McLaren. Uh, well, Alonso left McLaren. Um, yeah, it was such a, such a good fight. And Alonso was using quite literally every trick in the book to, to keep uh, the Mercedes behind. And, you know, I'm not saying that Ocon didn't win the race himself, but I think Hamilton would have caught them if he hadn't been held up behind and it was only just, only just enough, wasn't it, in the end? Because I think another couple of laps and he still could have caught them. So, yeah, I'll give it to Fernando Alonso. But obviously, Ocon drove incredibly well. I mean, Vettel, again, had a great race too. Um, and we've already, already mentioned Mick Schumacher, who I think did a stellar job in that house. Um, but yeah, I will give it to Fernando Alonso. I think that's a lovely show. I think you can make a case for anyone with almost... There's almost about six or seven drivers that finished in the top ten that could realistically have an understandable shout at driver of the day. You've already mentioned Ocon, who was stellar, so so consistent, so able to just hold on and, and stave off the pressure from a four-time world champ behind him in Sebastian Vettel, who equally had a fantastic Grand Prix. It was so good to see Vettel challenging for a win again. And, you know, there, there aren't many other people who can put that much pressure on you than what Sebastian Vettel does. And I don't think that should take away from the fact that Ocon won't have a fantastic drive, and it shows just how hungry Vettel still is for that level of success. About one second average time across a 70-lap race to the car in front of you, where you can't follow, you can't properly overtake, is really, really incredible. Carlos Sainz calling the strategy wall from the oh. moving Ferrari, about 20 laps back, goes, we need to be looking out for Hamilton, he's going to stop again, it's going to happen, we need to be wary of it, and then Hamilton passes, 20 laps on, after stopping again, and you just hear Sainz over the radio go, Ah, there we go. Exactly what I said was going to happen. And, you know, he's still got fourth place, although Alonso was bearing down on him. Also, shout out to both Williams drivers. They took advantage of a terrible situation. And especially, I mean, it was lovely to hear Russell be like, focus on, on Nicky. Give Nicky what he needs. I'll take the hit. You know, Williams need the points. I want to fight for the team, which is bloody lovely. But also, Nick Latifi just drove a bloody good race. Held off a lot of cars that are much faster than him. He Yano was a good 10, 15 seconds clear. Yano Latifi, as he's now known. <laughs> shoot, shoot. All aboard the Latifi Express. We're going for points. That's the next stop, and he's got them. He's delivered his passengers safely. George Russell was the, uh, the conductor on that train. Um, but I am going to join you in the Fernando Alonso hype train. The love for big Fernando. What a man. I, I would love to see... I live in London, if you don't know, folks. And I would love to go out now into central London and just see a bright blue and yellow bus with Fernando's face on the side of it. <laughs> just with a lot, of, a lot of traffic behind it. And I'll go, no one's getting past that bus. It's just going to drive around London all day with traffic behind it. What a stellar performance. The, there was a few moves into turn one that Hamilton tried that I think 99% of Formula 1 drivers would have succumbed to. They would not have been able to hold off Hamilton's onslaught, especially on those fresher tyres. Alonso's defence was so clever. He was so able to hold off in so many different ways. And he can... When you talk about drivers all the time leaving the space, Fernando Alonso famously said, and when you talk about leaving space, when you talk about squeezing correctly, Alonso delivered that every single time. Not once did he overstep a boundary. Not once did he make it dangerous for Hamilton. Apart from that slight moment up into turn four, I think it was, where there was a little bit of a wobble Hamilton had a bit of a moment of, that was so dangerous at high speed, man. <laughs> um, it was fantastic. 
That's what he said. Those exact words. Quotes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, but it was fantastic to watch them go again. And they've said multiple times, both of them, how much respect they have for each other. And of course, Hamilton's starting his career alongside Fernando Alonso. So to see that 12, 13 years on is absolutely spectacular to witness. So yeah, driver of the day for me is Fernando Alonso. And now we move on to a cacophony of other options, which is worst driver of the day. Harry, who have you got? Yeah, let's say so. It's it's uh, it's between two people. We we've already mentioned them, um, and I'm gonna go on the basis of they wiped out one more car than the other person. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, uh, there was there were quite literally no bodies, and and Bottas this weekend has had a really encouraging weekend. Um, he was doing. I don't think he would have necessarily challenged Hamilton, but he was he was relatively close most of the weekend, and. He threw it all away in turn one. From a Mercedes point of view, they probably gave him a nice little slap on the back. But uh, from a, just from a driving point of view, that was it was we've always mentioned it. It was pretty pretty amateurish. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give it, gonna give it to Valtteri Bottas. Sorry, sorry, Walter, but you took out three cars. I just want to remind everyone that I made a prediction before the season even started okay. that Valtteri Bottas will never win a race again. Not if he keeps and... doing that, he won't. Look at that, folks. What a state. And when you've got someone like George Russell going wheel-to-wheel around the outside of Mick Schumacher, we saw an F2 champion battle, and it was spectacular and clean and great fun to watch. And Bottas doesn't actually know where to break for turn one. Um, You've got to ask yourself some questions. I agree with you entirely. I don't really think there's anyone else that's up for it other than Lance Stroll, who I think was actually trying to do something good, bless him, and just did it very badly. Whereas I think Bottas was just bad. Um, so Bottas by far the worst driver of the day. Um, now, if you're in the Discord, you, we, we, you know that we ask you for your worst driver of the day and driver of the day options. Uh, folks, if you're not in the Discord, join it, and we can ask you, and you can end up featuring on the podcast. Harry, some people responded to your lovely message. What have the people said? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not going to read everyone out because they are quite literally all the same. Um, no, they're not all the same. <laughs> it's, a, it's a strong consensus here. Um, worst driver of the day, we, we've... It's it's pretty much there's a couple of strolls, but it's bodies all around really. Um, we've got yeah, Rye Guy twenty six. He's putting capitals bodies for worst driver of the day. Uh, what else have we got? D R T underscore H B T one. Catchy name. Uh, it's gone for stroll. Um, yeah, who's oh another one? C L R seventy six. Also gone for stroll. Lily Kate's gone for Bottas. Seriously, no more bodies. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a it's a consensus on that one, and for driver of the day, it's Alonso and Ocon across the board. To be honest, so uh, thanks. Alpine, yeah, just just Alpine for driver of the day. Just Alpine, all, all yeah. of Alpine, yeah. Anyway, thanks for those on the Discord getting involved. Again, if you want to get involved, Discord is in the link. Please join us. We'd love to have you there. Uh, and now we'll move on to the final part. Oh, actually, I, I, oh, sorry. I've once again forgotten about our, our other co-host, Benjamin Hocking. It's his birthday again, if we haven't mentioned it. Just he has given us his <laughs> suggestions. I'm sorry, Ben. Um, his drive of the day was Ocon, if you're interested. His worst drive of the day is Bottas, probably for the same reasons we all gave. Hashtag no more botties, please. Um, and we move on to the final segment of this thing here, which is our moment of the race. I'll let Ben go first. I'll read out Ben's. He's kindly texting it to me. The poor lad can barely speak at the moment. Uh, he said, <laughs> moment of the race, how bizarre it looked when one car, being Lewis Hamilton, took to the start line. That is something that we may never, ever see again in Formula 1. It was absolutely crazy. Um, I don't know what Hamilton was thinking. I'd love to actually sit down with Lewis and go, when you realise that you're the only person there, obviously the sinking feeling that you've made the wrong choice 
Yes. But also, what's it like to be the only person to start an F1 race? <laughs> Another record, maybe? Um, yeah. Harry, what have you got for the moment of the race? I mean, that's a strong contender, isn't it? Um, but I will go for... Uh, uh, I'll go for that on so Hamilton battle. I just... I, I, it was so entertaining to watch. Um, and we've, we've, you know, for whatever reason, we've, we've kind of been robbed of that ever since they, they, they were not on McLaren together. They were rarely in a championship battle together. And they're not now, obviously, but um, rarely in an on-track battle together, I should say. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, I was, I was jumping up and down at that one. It was just so good to watch. But uh, again, a lot of contenders for a moment of the race. There were a lot of moments, to be honest. Yeah, that, that whole hung, Hungary Grand Prix was a bit of a moment. And finally, by the way, folks, if you've been following us for a while, we've been making the same joke that there is a 10% chance of raining at the Hungara Ring for about two years. So it finally happened. We had a bit of a wet start. Uh, my oh, moment of the race... I Go on, Hungary. I think it's, um, I think it's just going to be George Russell. When it's starting off at the fact that he decided to just drive around everyone else at the exit of the pit lane <laughs> Love and that. go... <laughs> Look, I'm second. Um, not how rules work, George, but I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Fantastic, you know. And then halfway around the lap, everyone thought, has he got a puncture? Is he breaking? No, he's just been told that he's got to give back positions to half the grid because he's illegally overtaken them. That was fantastic. And then, like I've already mentioned, the um, the kind of F2 champ on XF2 champ, Mick Schumacher-Russell scenario, sending back Williams, which is a boat, around the outside of what is also a large boat, uh, on a track that requires a lot of aerodynamics and a strong chassis. It was fantastic to watch from the pair of them. So, well done to Mick Schumacher, well done to George Russell. Uh, yeah, Russell generally was my moment of the race. I thought it did really, really, really well. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the general race overall. We're going to move on now a little bit to kind of, firstly, to talk about Williams. Williams, for the first time since 2019, have scored at least one point in a Grand Prix. And to be fair, the last time they did that was via a double penalty uh, post-race penalty to the Alfa Romeo guys, which gave Robert Kubica one point, I believe, in the German Grand Prix in 2019. And before that, I believe there was a Williams point in the Italian Grand Prix in 2018. So it's been a long time since they've actually scored points on track legitimately. And now Latifi and Russell, I think they finished, what, 8th and ninth it was, which is 6 points for, um, for Williams, which is, you know, it takes them above Haas properly. It takes them above Alfa Romeo. They officially sit on the points table with points to their name. Harry, what do you think this means for Williams, for George, and for Latifi? I mean, for Williams, lovely, lovely bit of pointage there. They've not had some for a while. Um, pointage is a word that will be used going forward. Um, hashtag pointage. Hashtag pointage. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was finally the re- like the crazy race that Williams were able to take advantage of. The irony, though, I think for me is that George Russell finally get, get some points for Williams in one of these crazy race scenarios. Um, but Latifi gets more <laughs> because of <Yeah>. course, <laughs> oh, God. obviously of course Latifi gets more. Um, but you know that's a when was the last time Williams had a double points finish? That's a that's a crazy result for them. So and they they had to take advantage of it. Was was sad that Russell's cheeky. They tried a you know Audi and Formula E. Sorry to talk Formula E here, folks. But yeah, just go through the pit lane and overtake everyone tactic, um, which I love. Uh, so yeah, it almost paid off there, but. Um, yeah, it's it's great for them. For Russell, I, I was really impressed with his his comment on the radio about let's just get Latifi as far up. Let what can I do to sacrifice myself? So you know that's a, that's a huge team team player score there. And it was a, it was a, another message to Mercedes saying, look guys, I can I can do that job as well if you need me to. 
Um, but yeah, he was. I think he recovered fairly well because he got knocked back a bit by having to let all those cars back through, whereas Latifi obviously didn't. So, um, but yeah, no, great, great rest for both of them, and would will help Latifi's stock, I imagine, as well for twenty twenty two. Who knows if he's still going to be around? But a race like that where he. You know, I know it's hungry, but he still had to hold off cars that were way faster than him for a long time. And as we said, uh, he unintrudied the hell out of it um, and held him up for a long time. So, uh, I mean, it kind of inadvertently also helped with Ocon and Vettel because they just sod off up the road. But um, yeah, it was it was a great race by both both Williams drivers, which pff, we've not said that for a long time. Yeah, fantastic. Let's let's start with George Russell here. George Russell, I feel like this entire race was almost like he had decided to print off his CV and stick it with a sticking note on Mercedes door and Toto Wolff's door and go, look, I'm going to write my CV for you on this racetrack today. Uh, good race start. Tick. Advantageous when there are issues un- uh, going on around me. Tick. Under- understanding the tyre situation that Lewis Hamilton can't. Tick. <laughs> Willing to literally sacrifice my entire, what felt like career with how desperate he was in his voice to make sure that my teammate is able to have success and the team can go further. Tick. Able to go round the outside to battle wheel to wheel to make fantastic overtakes. Tick. It was a really, really great race for George Russell who somehow, like we just said there, still managed to finish behind Nicholas Latifi who I feel like had a comparatively quite quiet Grand Prix. He was just defending Brilliantly, the entire time. He's defending so well that not really anyone got close to him. I think the Alpha Tauri guys managed to slip past him. And after that, he was kind of plain sailing. He was able to just motor on, keep things consistent. So, for me, after Valtteri Bottas has one of his worst starts to a race ever, I think actually there was a stat that came out of the comments box, which is surprising from Crofty, that um, <laughs> Valtteri Bottas has never DNF'd through contact on lap one. And that happened today, which is a pretty crazy stat if if ringing true. And I've remembered that properly. I I saw another stat that, that and it was it came up after lap uh, twenty or something that Ocon is he'd led nineteen laps, and that was more than Bottas done all season. So wow. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> if you're looking for damning statistics from the resident stat man. I'm sure Ben will bring some to the next podcast because the stuff that we've remembered alone is pretty damning. So in a, in a race that saw Bottas look absolutely shocking, George Russell, I think, did absolutely everything he needed to do to go, look, I'm where your future is now. I can bring home consistency. I can deliver on a difficult day. So I think that's great from George Russell. I think it'll be a little bit... I don't know. I think part of him will be tiny, a tiny amount bitter that Latifi has now scored more points to him after George Russell has one, never been out-qualified by him. He's regularly finished in front of him. The same with what happened with Robert Kubica, right? Very, very difficult to swallow. But at the same time, you know that George Russell is the kind of bloke that will walk back into that garage and be so happy for the team that he's driven for now and go, look, we're getting somewhere. This was a really, really good weekend for us. Let's talk about Latifi on the other side of the garage. Latifi, again, was advantageous at the start. He took advantage of a very tricky situation, kept his car out of trouble, and there's been a lot of rumours around what Latifi is going to be doing for the 2022 season. Has he got? Has he done enough to keep that Williams seat? Has he got what it takes to be a long-term F1 driver? And a lot of people were suggesting that, you know, Bottas would theoretically take Russell's seat, Russell would take Bottas's seat, and that maybe Gasly or Hulkenberg or numerous other youngsters might filter into that Williams seat. 
But if Latifi can, can carry on with similar form, you can show that he can compete with Russell on a regular basis. If he can deliver strong results, not necessarily always in the points. You know, Williams aren't always expected to finish in the points. But be present, be strong, put up a good fight like that. Then what's to say that Latifi can't go on to deliver another couple of seasons of um, driving for Williams, who are a team on the up, it feels like. So I think this is very, very positive for Latifi. Do you know what it was? It was the fact that he had a tank earlier on the weekend that's done it. It's uh... <laughs> That's it. I reckon what's happened is Bottas has looked in his wing mirrors at the start of the race <laughs> and gone, is that Latifi in a tank? Oh, God, I need to get away. And he's forgotten to break. And then yeah. Latifi's just cruised on through. Um, he's the battering he's, he's literally just, It's like that image has just popped into his head. The moment he's supposed to hit the brakes, he's like, oh, my God, yeah. a tank. And Latifi then... in a tank. <laughs> And the maple it, man is coming for me. Yeah. The maple man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, really, really pleased. Really pleased for Williams. A lot of teams uh, out there that deserve a good result, but I don't think anyone more so than Williams deserve a bit of reprise, a bit of a break, you know, a success story for them. So absolutely fantastic. Right. Final thing that we're going to discuss for the podcast, we'll let you get back on with you, the rest of your day, folks. We don't want to keep you listening to our voices forever. Is that after this bizarre Grand Prix, and after Lewis Hamilton probably threw away a race wing, and after Valtteri Bottas gave Ingeversity the biggest team assist that he could, with Max Verstappen only scoring one point in that absolutely ruined Red Bull, which, by the way, was quite impressive on a track like this. Hamilton now leads by six points going into the summer break, which is... I don't think anyone would have really predicted that after the recent form that we've had, after how strong Max has been, after how successful the Red Bull team have been, but they do. Mercedes lead the constructors and Hamilton is now six points clear going to the summer break with Belgium, Mercedes hunting ground pretty much, coming after the uh, the summer break. Harry, what does this mean for the championship? Has this swung back into Mercedes and Hamilton's favour, or would you say that Red Bull are still theoretically the favourites to go on and win this, as they probably had the stronger machinery so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's in Mercedes' favour again, surely now with with you know they have it's not massive lead, but it's a it's a lead. Um, I I think yeah, it's going to be. T- I mean, we've got a whole summer break for people to make upgrades to their cars, but uh, Verstappen's now on his third uh, engine power unit, which is also going to be an issue. I think later down the line. Um, but the Mercedes just from Silverstone has looked quick quicker slightly quicker than the red bull you'd have to say um i mean very close but the red bull advantage they had in france and austria doesn't seem to be there anymore and i don't think the red bull's got slower i think mercedes just improved their car so um yeah it's a tricky one i mean how what in terms of a disastrous two weeks red bull have had uh, it's up there it's not been an expensive it's been a, a disastrous one yeah. and very expensive so um yeah, look, it's far from over, and uh, you know I think we said the same thing when Mercedes fell behind Red Bull a few few races ago, um, and things. So much can happen in F one, and as Murray Walker used to say, it often does. Um, and we've it's been proved in the past two weeks, the lead that Verstappen and Red Bull had looked very ominous, and now it's gone, evaporated, in the space of two races. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely back in Hamilton and Mercedes court, and we know how good Hamilton is in the back end of a of a season. Um, it's not what Red Bull wanted to Red Bull wanted at all. Um, but you know, I don't see Verstappen. I see Verstappen in the same vein as Hamilton, where he doesn't he doesn't need momentum to to be 
quick to be good, quick in a car. So it's you know it's it's damaging, but it's not it's not the end of the world for Verstappen, and I think he'll still be on form when we get to Belgium. So um, in terms of constructors, that might be more difficult. Although if Perez and Bottas just keep wiping each other out, then who knows what what will happen there. Um, but yeah, I think the drivers' championship is still on. It's only six. It's only a six-point gap, I think. So, I know it was an eight-point gap the other way around going into the weekend, but it's still not a huge amount. So, uh, as a, a race win for Verstappen, Hamilton in second, and Verstappen takes the lead again. So, it's far from over, but you know, it's definitely advantage, advantage Hamilton and Mercedes for the time being. Yeah, we've essentially reset the championship back to race one, where obviously <laughs> Hamilton just scraped across the line in front of Verstappen, and there was a six-point gap due to the. The difference of a race and a fastest lap, essentially. Um, now, if I've done my research correctly, which, folks, I probably haven't, so apologies, but just humour me on this fun little journey I'm about to take you on. At one point, the championship gap between Hamilton and Verstappen was 33 points, which, of course, is the race number of Max Verstappen. At another point in the championship, once it had swung, the championship gap was 44 points the other way, which, of course, is the race number of Lewis Hamilton. If you were to add those two leagues together... What number do you get? That's race number 77. And who drives number 77, folks? That, of course, is Valtteri Bottas. So, is it rumoured that Valtteri Bottas could come back and steal this championship? Or is Valtteri Bottas going to be the key point? Who knows? The point I'm making, though, in terms of those levels of consistency, is that the championship has swung massively. And there is something I believe that Hamilton has that Verstappen currently, and I don't think this is through fault of his own, currently doesn't have. And that is consistency. Lewis Hamilton will regularly be able to just finish on the podium. Time and time and time and time again. Has a bad race, podium finish anyway. Has an awful race, podium finish. Gets a penalty, podium finish, wing. Podium finish, wing. Max Verstappen, awful tyre blowout. Uh, big tyre blowout, folks, you who. Um, down in Baku, you know. Silverstone. It might, sorry, it might have been different for if it was the other way around. Hamilton maybe would have uh, recovered, maybe wouldn't have hit the wall. You know, we've seen instances that are similar where, like, uh, a couple of years ago where Hamilton got taken out in the first corner of Silverstone, pulled it back for a second place. Unfortunately, these things do happen to drivers, and Verstappen has just been way worse off with the, the way it's affected him. And now again at the Hungara ring, taking out through no fault of his own, was just a collision ornament, essentially, on this silly crash that Bottas had put himself on. He was basically a really lovely red and blue vase, and Valtteri Bottas was a big ball in a china shop that was painted in red ball colours. Um, Max thoroughly got trampled on, unfortunately. Um, but the point I'm making here is, Hamilton has been able to, for the most part, avoid these issues, whether they be his own fault, someone else's fault. Hamilton is very good at not getting involved in this level of carnage. He's not been perfect, but Verstappen has definitely come off worse for wears. Harry, you brought up a minute ago that the engine issue for Red Bull and for Verstappen might be a problem. It took an absolute clattering, of course, in Silverstone. They've used it again here in Hungary. There might be some underlying damage there as well. You never know where a penalty is going to strike. It could come at a race such as... Let's, I know it's not necessarily going to happen, but Singapore, for example, where overtaking is very, very difficult. We have got tracks like that that are going to come up later on. You get knocked back five or six places due to a parts change as a minimum. It's going to be very, very difficult. Let's say it happens at Sao Paulo, where you know you can't overtake anywhere necessarily but the start finish straight. What happens if Verstappen finishes in fifth and Hamilton goes on to win? That could be the difference in this overall championship. Verstappen needs to find that level of consistency if he is going to take this all the way to the end that Hamilton has. And it's what we saw happen to Vettel. Vettel and that Ferrari in 2018, 2017 could not carry on the attack that they started the year with 
is the same thing happening here. Obviously, we can't predict the future. We can't see who's going to go on a wing. If we could, we'd have a lot more money than we do. Mm. We don't have a lot. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen, of course. It still definitely swings and roundabouts. It could go either way. And as you said, Harry, one race wing and one second place could flip it back again. It could be back to zero points for all we know come uh, the next race in Belgium, which would be fantastic to have 10 races where both drivers are on exactly the same points tally. I don't remember the last time that happened. Maybe all the way back in the likes of... 2012 territory um but this was a, a pretty crazy crazy race how are you got anything to add before we decide to vamanos as carlos science might say i mean anything i need to add is I th- i'm i don't normally say this but i'm kind of glad I need this, we've got the summer break because i think i need the entire four weeks to digest what just happened um it still doesn't feel real uh, and and I'm, I'm and i'm exhausted so um yeah i i'm knackered yeah i mean f1 2021 think- is some crazy, crazy nuts. I don't know what is going yeah. on. <laughs> Hashtag crazy nuts is the way we're going to describe this season so far, which I love. Um, for the summer break, folks, you'll find me dressed as Esteban Ocon, running around London with my arms above my head, desperately looking for a podium to uh, to find. Who knows when I'll find it? And you'll find Harry running around the south, uh, probably looking for a portaloo dressed as Aston Martin. Yes. Uh, Sebastian Vettel there. You know, Aston Martin colours. Who knows? It might happen. The, the run is endless, possibly. Um, folks, we're going to leave you there. We hope you've enjoyed the Hungarian Grand Prix. We definitely did. Thank you for tuning in, for listening. Hit the old follow button if you've uh, enjoyed. You know, we're coming out with plenty of stuff across the summer break. We'll have a podcast for you every single week. And then we will be back, of course, for Spa at the end of August. Join the Discord if you want to chat to us more. Uh, and you can send us topics and stuff to talk about as well, because I'm sure crazy season in terms of transfers is going to hot up very much so into the next few weeks. Um, Harry, do you want to say goodbye? Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got the same flow with only two of us. Yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's, well. it doesn't like, how do we... Do, how do we uh do this anyway we'll, we'll do this on air so Sam you go first and I'll go second and then we'll, we'll, we'll okay in the meantime I've been Samuel Sage and I've been Harry E and remember keep breaking late oh god, god stop it stop it <laughs> <laughs>